I'm Floyd Whiting. And I'm Aaron Linden. I'm Steve Sisson. I'm Madison Danforth. And we're your jackalopes. So this week, we decided to take a look at something a little less paranormal, but something that does actually affect, I think, all of us on a daily basis. And that is, what kind of music moves you? Uh, and maybe even a better question, what kind of music moved, moved you when you were young? Is it the same? Mm. This week's topic is a music and, and how it changes and, and the changes that it has gone through. It's a big topic, so we're not going to be able to cover even a small portion. But we are going to try and just take a look at some of the things throughout history that have caused music to shift or to evolve. So... Aaron, you and I were talking a little bit uh, last week uh, about where they theorize it may have began. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I researched the origins of music. And although they're not precisely known, there's no concrete evidence that definitively answer the question. But they can trace it back to the prehistoric period where early humans probably used their voice to create sounds. And then at some point, you know, old was sitting in the cave, you know, chiseling away with a flint and went, hey, you know, this is kind of cool. And so they actually Ugg. started we putting in. We owe so much to Ugg. Yeah, oh, I, I think he was the founding father of music, really. <laughs> really do, yeah. So we had the prehistoric period, ancient period, where the development of musical instruments, such as like the lyre, harp, flute, came into play, medieval, um, religious used in churches, monasteries, development of musical notation, which I believe... You will cover here in just a minute. Renaissance was the renewed interest in classical music and the arts. Um, Baroque was more of the ornamental music, often performed in grand settings, and really led to the development of orchestras. Then you move on to classical, like you know Mozart, um, Beethoven, focused on simplicity and clarity in music, symphonies and sonatas. And then the Romantic period, Emotional, expressive music used to tell stories or even evoke a particular mood, which you let in with. And that was more like Schubert, Chopin, and then modern. The development of the new styles of music like jazz, rock, pop, and yeah. Louis Armstrong, Beatles, Bob Dylan, that kind of stuff. So that's kind of a brief history of where it kind of came from or originated from. Should have brought my... My book. You should have brought your history yeah. of Western music book. I have the history of Western music as well. <laughs> oh, if you would like to hear about I that, the large book. You it's, probably paid a lot more for yours oh, than he did yeah, for you. Yeah. yeah, I think mine was free. Mine was not. <laughs> so different kinds of music, actually from around the world. You have Western classical, jazz, blues, rock, pop, reggae, traditional African music, Indian classical music, Chinese classical music and Latin America music. And if you really hone that down to just the United States, we actually went through different periods here as well. Colonial era, um, religious used in church services, and actually music used in war. Yeah. Um, revolutionary era, Yankee Doodle, Star Spangled Banner, things like that. 19th century, minstrel shows became popular. Um, and then blues gospel music around that same time, early 20th, 20th, 
earliest. Well, it's it's latest. Years. That's the problem. <laughs> earliest. Early, I'm just going to roll with it. Just earliest it. 20th yeah. century. You, you coined the phrase. Yeah. So now you get In the early 20th so centuries. I love music. Yeah. So I have the rise of Tin Pan Alley, a group of songwriters published in New York who wrote popular songs and for Broadway shows and Hollywood films. And then mid 20th century, um, the explosion of rock and roll, of course, Elvis Presley, Chuck Berry, Little Richard, and then late 20th century, more like disco, punk rock, hip hop, grunge, and then where we are kind of now um, with EDM, pop, hip hop, rap, those kinds of things. And of course, I would be remiss if I left out during the 80s and 90s, <laughs> especially in Europe, David Hasselhoff was incredibly popular, especially among the Germans. So, yeah, he yeah. was. Yep. With yeah. that is kind of the brief, where did it originate from? What kinds of different musics there are? Like you said, we're not going to be able to get into all of them, but... That's kind of that thirty thousand foot perspective. You know, I knew I knew this was going to be a really tough subject to cover when uh, during a conversation with Dr. Eric Richards, um, who's brilliant out at Sheridan College. Mm -hmm. He's awesome. the director of jazz studies out there, and I I kind of asked him where jazz and blues really originated from, thinking that you know oh gospel and then slowly it kind of just developed no there's like this list of music these styles that we know even now like including rumba and and things like that that were around long before jazz mm -hmm. and and so here i always thought that even just jazz was like a foundation genre right we build things out of jazz jazz itself is not a foundation for anything Jazz itself is a culmination of like five or six different types of music that evolved slowly over time. And as Dr. Richards uh, told us, you know, it was only really possible in the United States because it was a bunch of cultures that came together and started to combine all of their music and jazz was born in that and and so you know we all have these misconceptions of of where music comes from and it's really interesting to take a moment and reflect and look back on on the types of music throughout the world that have contributed to what we have today mm -hmm. absolutely and, and i think that's interesting in and of itself is you know a lot of these are very regional yeah. you know mm -hmm. tribal african music has changed obviously throughout the centuries, but it stayed pretty traditional African music. Right. So to have, you know, kind of that big melting pot of America where you're getting some of that tribal African music, you're getting some reggae influence, you're getting influence from all over the planet coming together to make one new sound or many new sounds rather. Yeah. It, it really, you don't see that in a lot of other places. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and because exactly like you said, well, in, you're in this region this is the type of music. This is we, the music. This is the music that we play here. Yeah. You know, and so it's great to have this this mixing pot to to mix it all together. Now, Madison, this is this is your bread and this butter. This is my stuff. This is your stuff. It's her so, jam. So <laughs> I would I would ask, what was it about music that even really got you interested in studying mm -hmm. the history of music? Mm -hmm. So I sang my first solo when I was four. So I guess just like ever since then, I, I love being on stage. I love it. Like I, my mom had to pull me off stage at church because they kept clapping and I said, again. <laughs> my mom was like, 
No. And <laughs> I persisted and kind of threw a fit off of the stage. I just loved it. It I got so many friends out of it and it just is a place where is it's safe to just express what you're doing and I don't know, music is just fun and it's cool to see how it brings people together through all walks of life. Mm-hmm. Like you think of any big movement and something that comes out of that is music. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that that comes out of a lot of things. And yeah. so I think that's what does it for me and how it connects you emotionally to people like and brings you friends. Like there there's so many things that we talk about in our history class like oh, we like this certain type of music and then uh, someone in our class is like, oh, I didn't know you liked that. And then you build a relationship because of you you like the same type of music. So it's meeting other people and, I don't know, forming those connections that just music does, which is fun. And Steve, aren't you in like four bands? <laughs> We're in a band, yeah. I, I've, I've yeah. gotten the, the chance to see Steve play during a play. Oh, yes, he, he, yeah, he play, is yeah. amazing, <laughs> yeah. by the way. That was doing my best Paul Schaefer. He was doing great. He was up there doing the points. He was running the whole band from that keyboard. It was great to watch. <laughs> yeah, we've done a lot of stuff together. I, I've kind of whittled it down to kind of one band now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, just because of time. But, uh, yeah, I, I could do that all day. It's, uh, it's so fun. Yeah. What, what was it that got you involved in music? I don't actually know. I, ever since I was can remember, I've always liked music. And I remember... Uh, I'd be singing a song as like three, four years old. And my mom would say, uh, what are you singing there? Can you sing that again? And I'd say, uh, hang on, let me rewind the tape. And I'd, like, <laughs> and I'd sing it again. So I don't know. I just always, it's just been programmed that way for me, I guess. I, my brain just works that way. So yeah, why, did, why did you decide to start playing the keyboard? Uh, because I learned the violin. Uh, yep, uh, yeah, I understand. It makes perfect sense. It was actually kind of out of boredom, I think. My grandparents had a piano on their covered porch. And I'd, we'd be visiting them, and I'd get bored, and I'd just go out there and kind of bang around on it. Just so really, mm-hmm. you'd know how to play the piano. Yeah, I, I'd never got taught, but I just kind of like learned it by doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you run, you, you operate an entire radio station in that same way. Uh, yeah, so I never learned how to do that either. Never, so. never, <laughs> no official well, education. Well, funny, the funny thing about him, though, is when I'm like, oh, he was playing with a guy that was coming through town, and I'm like, oh, so you got all the music. He's like, I don't read the music. Yeah. Yeah. You don't read music. No, actually, that was one of the hardest things about that play. It's just they handed out the music. And I was like, every good boy deserves fudge. I'm a a second year music student. I'm still like, sometimes like, okay, how many ledger lines are we at? (laughs) Thankfully, they had recordings of like, because it was a play that had been produced already. Yeah. And so they had recordings of that that I could listen to. And so it's it's listening and playing by ear, essentially. That's our one Which is amazing. Mm hmm. Our one class is called oral theory, and so you listen to it, and you have to go back and transcribe what you hear. Really? So you're not given anything. You're given, like, maybe the key signature and, like, the first starting two notes, and then it's like, okay, now go. And you have to write it all out and count, like, um, the steps and write what they are and what cadences they are and all of this. I like that class. See, which I find mind-blowing because I'm not – I like music. Mm-hmm. I really like music. And I do impressions, so I can like sing along with anybody. I'm <laughs> right. Killer at karaoke night. <laughs> yeah, but I am not musical. See, like at all. I'm the exact same. Like, yeah, I was great at karaoke, but then past that, no, nothing official. <laughs> I didn't want to be part of a choir, mm-hmm. you know. And karaoke was like, I'm out, you know, having a good time with my friends. Mm-hmm. Right, and we're singing like joke songs half the time. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I love singing with a choir. Uh, in high school, I was in Allstate. And the one year um, we sang this song, 
and it was called The Music of Stillness by uh, Lean Hagenberg. Mm, I don't know if I said that right, but oh my gosh, one of the coolest pieces I've ever sang. And you have this group of like 200 uh, singers from across the state coming together and Casper and singing this song all in the auditorium for the composer. It was one of the oh, coolest. Wow. Like she cool. was on FaceTime yeah. with us. It was so cool. That would be cool. Awesome. And then we sang uh, when I was little in Seattle at this choir concert. And we sang in this huge cathedral. Like this thing was massive. And getting to like sing that as a little kid there was mm-hmm. one of the coolest things. So when you look back on all the music history that you've studied, mm-hmm. what time period would you say was a major shift and why oh man i mean there was a shift at every time period because things were just happening in the world mm-hmm. um i mean like right now we're talking about um like the soviet union and how composers had to smuggle their music outside of the soviet union so it could get published because uh, they weren't allowed to conduct and weren't allowed to um compose their music so other people would have to take it from them and put it under their name in a different place. So that's what we're learning about right now. So wow. I guess there's just, I mean, every time in the, I mean, since the beginning of time, something has happened that has influenced music. And so I think it just depends on who you ask because yeah. everyone's going to mm-hmm. have a different opinion on what what's the most monumental or what's. Right. Yeah. Well, and obviously governments have heavily affected mm-hmm. music oh, yeah. And, yeah. and the way it's developed. I mean, a lot of symphonies um, were written you know, I think four emperors or four kings, mm-hmm. um, you know, to be played in court or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even like Baroque, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of it was just, we're going to do it for kind of the upper class. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But at that same time, you know, and a lot of people don't know this, but the guitar was actually seen as like, well, that's the poor man's instrument, <laughs> right? You know, and yeah. maybe, maybe tell Slash that. Yeah, well, <laughs> see, that's that's the thing is, it's like it it may have begun that way. I know, I know, Benjamin Franklin loved guitar, um, but I think the evolution of the guitar, and I'm not a guitar historian by any means. This is literally just what I've seen myself. I think that's that's exactly why it is the iconic instrument that it is today, mm-hmm. you know, because it was so accessible because you could get your hands on a banjo or a guitar pretty easily. Right. And and the scale is right there. You don't need, you know, any extensive formal training. So, you know, the mountain people in, in Kentucky and Tennessee could kick back with their banjos and slowly develop bluegrass and, and the mountain music. Yeah, and it's a little more of a versatile instrument too. Like you can play chords, you can be a solo guitar and yeah. rock chords for yeah. life. <laughs> Where a violin, you're, you're kind of limited in how many notes you can play at once. Uh, so I think a guitar was more versatile and also portable, yeah. unlike a harpsichord yeah. or piano. Yeah, uh, we have, piano a, we have a, a harpsichord at the college. That thing is so cool. You, you play it. It's very fun. Yeah, but you can't like sit around the campfire and whip out the harpsichord. Yeah. Let me just whip this out. That's what the, it's always a running joke. We, we have this thing on Fridays called Convocation. And a couple of weeks ago, they're like, bring your instrument. And I'm a voice major. It's like, if I don't have my instrument, then <laughs> yeah, I'm in, in trouble. big trouble. Yeah, yeah the loading in the band was really hard for I her. Plug in my microphone mic. plug in, done. I'm done. Yeah. Sound check, give me one, two. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> So, I mean, the way that that music has evolved over the years and the way that it's actually not only helped influence, but also been a massive 
part of of political movements mm-hmm. is is really great. Now, of course, you know, there's the other side of the coin on that where politics has used a certain musics mm-hmm. where, mm-hmm. you know, it was used for it, not the intention that it was made, you know. And I think back to the Reagan campaign yeah, yeah. when he used Born in the <laughs> yeah, USA by yeah. Bruce Springsteen. That's a famous one, yeah. And that's a protest song. Mm-hmm, if you've right. never actually sat and listened to the words of that song, it is a protest song uh, for Vietnam veterans. And everything in that song is actually something that a Vietnam vet had told Bruce at one point or another. And so he sat down and he wrote that song. And then all of a sudden, here it is, you know, Republican <laughs> candidates campaign music. And he's like, what the heck is going on over there? That, that kind of shows you, though, that uh, music moves people on different levels. Like, it, you don't have to necessarily pay attention to the lyrics to get something out of the song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of songs that like, they can sound a certain way, but they actually mean something different, mm-hmm. like lyrically. Uh, Pumped Up Kicks by Foster the People is yep. one that has a, a real upbeat, whistly melody, but it's a pretty dark lyrically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and then you think about, like, I, I don't remember the time exactly, but, like, all the censorship stuff where oh, absolutely. everyone was like, uh, this we cannot have our kids be listening to this type of music. That's right. Two live crew. Yeah. Ice Cube, so, Ice Tea. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about that because that whole... The parental advisory stickers. Those, yes. those hearings, man, uh, they were amazing. Twisted sister. Yeah. Now, yeah. see, that's the thing. Yeah. D. Snyder, who so showed smart. up. smart. You know, when, when Tipper Gore went after the music industry, this was her big crusade, okay? She was going to go and she was going to go after the music industry and ensure that this parental advisory thing was put on. Actually, I think that was something that they settled on. Mm-hmm. But they ended up having a bunch of hearings. And so they invited... You know, people like Two Live Crew and everyone mm-hmm. to speak at these hearings because music is an art. You are trying to censor art. And in my book, you're wrong if you're trying to censor art. And First Amendment, really. Absolutely. I and mean, that's your freedom of speech. Absolutely. And any type of censorship on that is wrong, in my opinion. So they expected all these artists to show up for those hearings. John Denver and D. Snyder <laughs> yeah. of Twisted Sister. Kind of polar opposite. <laughs> kind of polar opposites. <laughs> but at the same like time. next to each other like, how are you doing? I'm sure they were comparing notes. I mean, they got a lot in common. Oh, yeah. uh, but it, the thing of it is it, it doesn't really matter what type of music you sing. Uh, that's why I loved the fact that John Denver was there. They weren't trying to censor his music. He was there for the industry he was there Mm -hmm. for the artists to basically tell them what you're doing is wrong you know you might you might not think that it is you might think that you're protecting somebody but you're not and just as a testament to that when they slapped those stickers on all of those albums sales of those albums went up mm-hmm. because well it doesn't have the parental advisory sticker on it so i know it's not risky yeah it's you not, know it's if, not good <laughs> and if you look back through like the 50s even the 40s you know you look back at the sock hops and we'll even stretch back as far as the 20s music was rebellion the oh, yeah. little yeah. thing of elvis like they, absolutely he, was, he got in so much trouble oh he was the for, devil yeah he yeah. couldn't show him from the waist down. Yeah. right 
it was all just an expression of of teenage angst you know and and how my generation isn't going to be the same as your generation and that is why i think here in in western culture in the united states you see this shift this this jump in every single musical genre during a generation Mm -hmm. because everyone's trying to push it a little bit farther everyone's trying to see what hasn't been done yet and 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 every so often you do get these like groundbreakers you know like elvis okay now elvis uh reaching into the, the the black community and and being able to transport that music and that feeling over to a white community mm-hmm. and and i think everybody agrees that that's exactly what made him famous you know um and the dancing and the dancing yeah <laughs> he didn't look half bad either but see yeah, well, now yeah. what's really funny <laughs> you know when they did come out and say you know that this guy's the devil he's horrible he's going to lead us all astray and and this is just the beginning of the end you know how many people did they say that about before elvis oh, how absolutely. many people have they said that about after Elvis, mm. yeah, yeah. and then you go back and, and and you listen to it now, and you're like, "What about this is evil?" There's <laughs> nothing about this that's evil, and I I'm gonna say the same exact thing. Sorry, Ozzy, about Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, There's nothing about his music that is evil. You know, listen to Crazy Train. That is not an evil song, <laughs> right? You know, a, a lot of his songs were about him dealing with his addictions, him dealing with ugly stuff. Now, Black Sabbath, that band. A lot of their music, I wouldn't say it's evil. I'd say it was protest. War Pigs is a massive yeah. protest song. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So upsetting the establishment is what music is for. Well, and you wonder, like, back in the day, like, Beethoven, Bach, those guys. I mean, the, they were cutting edge. Yeah. And how many people were like, ooh, that's the music of the devil. <laughs> you don't play a G right there. My yeah. God. Well, I kind of think that the devil's music probably is like a chamber orchestra and that's probably what the devil would listen to. Right? Well, right. I went down yeah. to Georgia. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Stuff. yeah. The devil would be classy. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think the devil's not listening to, you know, Two Live Crew or no, I don't Ozzy think so. or. No. Yeah. It's just silence. <laughs> <laughs> just, just all banging on his rocks. Yeah. They haven't really gone beyond that. But, you know, it's it as a symbol for each generation to rally around, I, th- I think music is important to all of us in in society it's important to push us beyond the boundaries that we know and you know i heard somebody say the other day and i'm gonna i'm gonna echo it i cannot understand how the generation of peace and love and the generation that was you know at woodstock and and listening to all these protest songs have become the boomers (laughs) that that we know today you know and I'm not saying that all of them are that way because I do know and love some old hippies who never let it go, man. And right. those people are so valuable to us. Uh, but it's it's just kind of an amazement. You know, the 80s really changed some stuff, man. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Well, yeah, you had the, the birth of MTV mm-hmm. and all of that, too. Which yeah. totally was awesome when it was all super cool music videos. Yeah. And then... At some point, it just switched to like reality TV and no music video. As, as most cable networks have. Right. Yeah. Do you know what the first uh, video was on MTV? Yes. Video I killed do. the radio star. Yeah. <laughs> What's it's the band you went to Hollywood? The Buggles. Uh, the Buggles. Oh. Yeah. The Buggles. I got that one wrong. <laughs> do you know what the first song was? Well, recorded. I don't know. Don't quote me on this. The first song played on the radio? Oh, Holy Night. Live on the violin. 
Uh, that I could believe too. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I yeah. believe that. Yeah. What? Okay. What were your guys' first like? I don't know. Tapes or CDs that you ever had? Ooh. Okay. My first. Uh, now I loved Neil Diamond. I still do. Mm-hmm. I think Neil is one of the greatest songwriters and performers of our age. Man, he is a true artist. He's a diamond. He is a diamond. Now, I I did have a couple of his albums when I was younger, but when I was about nine years old. And when you say albums, I mean we're talking like albums. serious like vinyl, vinyl records, records well, yeah. that I collect. Yeah, I, I also I I had tapes, and I can remember when I was nine, I asked my dad for uh, rock and roll tapes. Okay, nine years old, living out in Auburn, Wyoming. Asked my father, I wanted some rock and roll. Now, I'm thinking like, you know, poison or or something cool. My dad's like, hey, we'll get you some rock tapes, kid. <laughs> he took checkered. me to Jackson Hole, and he got me a collection of 50s and 60s nice. songs. Oh, okay. And so Not what's bad. really funny is I listened to 50s music and then 60s music. Mm. That was that was popular, but then as I grew into like teenage, uh, you know, years thirteen, fourteen years old, I discovered like the old protest music mm. uh, from Vietnam mm. and started listening to a lot of that stuff. And all of a sudden, I was listening to Led Zeppelin, and I was listening, and so my musical education really walked through the decades. By the time I could sit. And, and really listen to an 80s song, the 80s were gone because I was listening to 60s and mm, 70s music sure. back then. And and I will admit that, like, I hated disco. What? Yeah. Until I got older. And I'm sorry, man, but the Bee Gees the Bee Gees, oh, are say. magicians. Oh, man, yeah, right. no doubt about it. And I think it's something that you learn to appreciate as you get older. And, and so for me... <laughs> You know, my my first music was like '50s and '60s rock music. Okay. Interesting. That's a good one, Aaron. I am so incredibly eclectic when it comes to music. I mean, well, most things, I guess. Yes. But music, for sure. I mean, I appreciate everything from Joe Satriani to reggae to even like Michael Bublier. Oh yeah, to, oh, the Bubble Man. Yeah, the Bubble Man. Um, Literally, if you like go through my Spotify, you would you would not be able to pick a genre. Mm-hmm. I love chamber orchestras. Yeah, more than I like large orchestras. The big ones. Yep. I guess the devil and I have that. <laughs> yeah, but, um, <laughs> that makes perfect sense, really. <laughs> right. But it no, it's just bizarre because I can go from CCR right mm-hmm. talking about some protest songs. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Immediately into. Maybe even Justin Bieber. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm so glad I know. said that. Like, I'm so glad. It's, it's, I'm all over the board when it comes to music, but and I, I just appreciate all of it. And I think that's great. I think I think more people should be like that, uh, because imagine the things that you've reflected on and thought about because you've done that. And a mm-hmm. lot of people don't might not see music as that deep, but I do. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of other people do. It's just weird, too, because it's like, how has it changed? You know, how's it gone from when you were a kid to where you are now? And it's it's kind of the same, because I remember my dad had an old vinyl, Chuck Mangione. Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 I still love Chuck Mangione. Yeah. Because yeah. it comes on, and it reminds me of a really good time yeah. in life. 
And it I feel, just, it feels so good. Yep. <laughs> oh my gosh. Literally. Nice. Wow. I don't even know where you pulled that one out from, but that's impressive. We're going to start calling this podcast dad joke. <laughs> I have so many. She's got way too many. Yeah. Steven? Um, the first song I ever remember really liking, this, this probably says a lot about me too. Uh, the Wreck of the Ebony Fitzgerald by Gordon Lightfoot. Oh, oh fantastic yeah. song. Totally got into like that song. 26 hours long. Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, it's a great tune. Yeah. yeah. And the first record I ever bought was Weird Al Yankovic's Even Worse. Ah, that so, does, yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that does say that. Yeah, yeah, that explains a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I'm like you. I, everything uh, in between, I, I love it. Yeah. I can sit there and absorb it and study it and listen to it and enjoy it. And yeah, The only thing I don't really get into too much is the current new country. And a lot of that doesn't really do much for me, but pop country is yeah. what I call yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And that's funny you say that because it, it doesn't really do it for me. I, but there's, but I can who, listen who to me? it and not to offend anybody, but I can appreciate it. But when it's like, you know, Natty Light in the back of the track, I'm like, yeah, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. resonate with me. No. But even there, there's still songs that are like, I can get into them. And oh, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. And what about the, you? Oh, man. My first CDs that I got, it was on Valentine's Day for my grandparents and my mom and dad. It was Justin Bieber's One Time. Uh, Adele's 19 album. Oh, yeah. And the Whitney Houston CD, Whitney. So those are my first Those are three. pretty good. Nice. Pretty good. And yeah. Adele and Whitney Houston and Amy Winehouse are like my three favorites ever. And so I think that kind of spurred off of like killing both of those CDs, the Whitney <laughs> Houston and the Adele album. And I also used to perform... For my parents in my room, I'd be like, it's time for a show. <laughs> and they're like, great. And so I'd, I'd get all my stuffed animals out and line them up. And then my parents would come in and I'd have like the lights off. And then my little CD player would say, baby, baby, all of that. Uh -huh. You say you were born to be a star, my friend. Oh, I love me some Justin Bieber. But you know, it, talking about this, you made me feel really old when you said CD. <laughs> but that's because... It has all changed so quickly. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people don't think it has. But, I mean, if we think about the technological jump from the cylinder, mm -hmm. uh, right. which was the, you know, if you don't know what these were, uh, before records, they were cylinders kind of made of the same material. And you put them on this big uh, machine that just turned the cylinder. And it was a needle, just the yeah. same as, like, a record. An Edison phonograph. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, there mm -hmm. you go. And then and then eventually it went on to the record player mm -hmm. and, and on from there. Eight tracks. See, that's, that's where I was going is I can remember... Remember, you know, the first piece of electronics that I knew how to operate as a child was my father's eight track player. Is it eight track or four track? It's eight, eight track. track. Eight yeah. track. Yeah. I, I had to run up to this analog flip. I knew what flips or what switches had to be flipped. And I knew if I took this eight track and put it in there and then flipped these things in a certain pattern then this music would play. <laughs> and I can remember it because my father was just driven insane by a particular album. And I'm trying to remember uh, his name. And it's not Wayne Newton, uh, but it's... Uh, oh, I'm not going to be able but to... But it might it. as well be. But it, but it might as well be. But I just kept replaying that eight track over and over and over and i think eventually dad finally just got rid of that eight track because i don't remember whatever happened to I, I think it just vanished yeah uh, that's how so. my mom is with 
every road trip we go on, she's like, can you play the gambler? Can you please play the gambler? Like, no. I can't do it. I, now, you talk about how politics and stuff has changed music. Technology has, too. You're talking about the yeah, cylinders, streaming. the records. Uh, the reason pop songs are around three minutes long is the 45. That's really? how yeah. much time you could fit on a 45. Mm-hmm. So long songs. And when the LPs became popular, that's when you had the progressive rock and that kind of stuff. So the long songs that were you know more Free common. Bird. Yeah, and then F- and yeah. FM radio would play that stuff. So that kind of helped the long progressive rock songs of the 70s and 80s. And develop. Zeppelin was like, we'll do a five-minute intro, bro. <laughs> That's right. right. <laughs> and we're going to light it up. So I did some research, and I looked up the top, like, 10, 15 most catchiest songs Ooh. up to 2023. Ooh, yeah, the earworms. If you say yeah. Baby Shark, I am dead. No. <laughs> Just you saying that, right. now it's playing. Okay, number one is We Will Rock You. Yeah. Number, oh, two, oh, yeah, yeah. number two is Happy. Oh, yeah, I'm happy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Number three, we are the champions. So Queen has Queen the has, top. Queen's got yeah. two so far. Uh, 500, 500 miles is number okay. four. Yeah. YMCA. Mm-hmm. Bohemian Rhapsody. Wow. Again. Another Queen. Three. Final countdown. Oh, yeah. Living Ooh. on a Prayer. <laughs> yeah, Bon Jovi. John, Jingle John. Bells. Who Let the Dogs Out? Gangnam Style. And Never Gonna Give You Up. Right, right, oh yeah, those are, those are all some great mm-hmm. earworms. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can just never We're just gonna rickroll every yeah, yeah. rickroll. Yeah, I yeah. had that Europe album, Final Countdown. When oh I was man, a kid. I remember when that was oh. new. That was the thing. Do you know who has the most Grammy wins of all times? That Ooh. like just surpassed. At this year's Grammys, Katy Perry. No, Beyonce. Beyonce. Mm. At thirty-two. That's wow. a lot. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and. Mm. Lots of the lots of the people that have like the most Grammy wins aren't like singers; they're songwriters and yes. composers. Yeah. Uh, John Williams has twenty five. Wow. Quincy Jones has twenty eight. Mm. Um, Stevie Wonder has twenty five as well. Mm. Yeah. So there's some big names there, but then there's lots of names that like I didn't know that had thirty one, twenty eight Grammys, but they were all like, like orchestrators and yeah, yeah, which is kind of crazy, like. You, sh- you should hear more about these people, but we don't. We only hear yeah. about Beyonce but you know, and Taylor Swift. Like, and... If I could be a, a well-known person in the music industry, I'd be Max Martin. Oh, yeah. Because he has all the money, but he could probably walk down the street and people don't know who mm-hmm. he is. He yeah. can go anywhere without being mobbed. Yep. Yeah. 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 But, but he's been behind so many number one pop songs. Mm-hmm. And, the, yeah, he doesn't have the all the problems that come with stardom. He doesn't mm-hmm. have those. So there was, I read this thing, where'd it go? Uh, the One of the most common, or like, not common, but things that happened like in the 80s was the 27 Club. Do you guys know what that is? Mm, yes. So the 27 Club is uh, refers to celebrities, mostly musicians, who died at the age of 27. Oh, that's oh, right. Okay, so right. members of this club include Kurt Cobain, Brian Jones, Jim Morrison, Amy Winehouse, Robert Jopp. Johnson, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, and a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's like, we've talked about that so much in, I took a history of rock class, and that was like one of the things that we talked about was all of these musicians who were so awesome and amazing all died at the age of 27. You know, but... And it's, and a lot of them, like, there's such, there's so many great things about the music industry, and there's so many terrible things, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, like, dark. you're always, A, you're always on the road, so you're never home. You get into things that you probably shouldn't be doing, and then you're influenced by all of these people. You're getting run down. Like just look at Elvis. He would 
take stuff to perform a whole world tour, mm-hmm. the United mm-hmm. States tour, mm-hmm. take stuff to go to sleep. And then that's what he got addicted to. And all like so many musicians, I think, struggle with that. I don't think as much now. I mean, maybe they do, but they I hide don't know. it. Michael Jackson, you yeah. know, had to have well, the guy Houston. put him to sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Whitney, Whitney Houston, Houston, Prince. Yeah, Prince. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's. I I had a command sergeant major once who really enjoyed the artistic side of this one particular soldier. Uh, this soldier could sit down at any piano and just start to play. And it was absolutely beautiful. But he was a terrible troop. He was terrible. But And and so a lot of the other sergeants wanted to kind of get on this kid as soon as possible, right? Because he's just a bad soldier. But this command sergeant major uh, kind of pulled a bunch of us aside. And he said, look, this is just who he is. Like, he's an artistic individual. And artistic individuals tend to be a little more rebellious. They tend to be, uh, you know much less when it comes to conformity and things like that. And there's a section of them that are tortured and being able to take that, that torture, that misery or, or that regret or that guilt and, and transform it into something that we can listen to and identify with because we all feel it, you know, and it depends. We all have that sad song, right? Well, I'm sad, so I'm turning this on. <laughs> or or I want to think about this particular time in my life, so I'm going to play this. Some of the greatest music has come from those tortured mm-hmm. souls. Yeah. And and being able to, to take that pain and turn it into something positive uh, is, is fantastic. But we do have to remember that a lot of times, you know, that it's not therapy. You know, it's, it's, so we end up losing a lot of these individuals, especially to like, you know, addictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think addictions, what, yeah, what addiction got most and, just, and like crazy fans, like killing people. Mm-hmm. You think yeah. of John Lennon? Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. So yeah. many people, like lots of, and then Tupac and, uh, Selena. Yeah. Selena. And, uh, what was the other rapper that got shot? Notorious B.I.G. Yes. Yeah. Did you know that Tommy was right down the street when, Lennon got shot. Really? And Tommy really? didn't know what was going on. Him and his band were actually recording right. He'll ask him to tell you the story. What? And he said he saw a crowd, so he just ran over there. Mm. And he was like, didn't know what was going on. He's like, it's not like everyone knew that Lennon got shot. Right. And right. it was before internet or anything like that. Yeah. He said, I just saw a crowd, so I decided we, oh they were gosh. outside on a break, and he went wow. over to I've see what was going on. I've stood on the sidewalk where he got shot. And it's heartbreaking it's when so stuff sad. like that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you know? these people just like have so much ahead of themselves. Like I think of uh, there's a rapper who died, maybe like two years ago. His name was Mac Miller. It was yeah. so sad. He's yeah. super young, super talented. Drug overdose. Yeah. That's how he died. It's kind of a mixed thing though, because yeah. now you always remember them at the peak mm-hmm. of their career, rather than old fat Kurt Cobain who has nothing left to say. <laughs> no, uh, but he's yeah. still putting out albums just because he needs to keep doing it. Yeah. His yeah. contracts. So it's kind of a mixed thing. Mm-hmm. You, you get you, you die early, but you get remembered mm-hmm. probably more fondly because of it. Mm-hmm. And Janis Joplin, I mean, you think mm-hmm. about the, the amazing music that so that good. woman was able to produce. Her voice was one in a million. Mm-hmm. And, and she herself was just a card of a human being. I mean, she was the embodiment. Then of- she should be dealt with. <laughs>
<laughs> a lot of authority figures felt the same way. One. But uh, yeah, it's it's you know she was the embodiment of the '60s, man. Yeah. she was mm-hmm. really yeah. that free spirit, and and she was just an amazing artist. Mm-hmm. And she's got she sang with her soul. Mm-hmm. I did some research today while looking for stuff for the show, and I came across a thing on Rolling Stones, and it came out a year ago. But it said had like a list of the top two hundred uh, best singers in their opinion and their top 10 was al green mm, otis yep. otis redding otis oh, oh. Mm-hmm. beyonce stevie wonder <laughs> yeah okay ray charles yes this next one i do not agree with mariah carey hey but she's talented she's yeah. got a lot she's got a big range but over like i don't know i don't I think it, it gets to the point of being annoying, I think, yeah. possibly for some people. Right. Okay, and then number four, Billie Holiday. Mm-hmm. Number three, Sam Cooke. Mm-hmm. Number two, my girl, Whitney Houston. <laughs> number one, Aretha Franklin. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I could see that. I wouldn't dispute anybody on that list. I, I, I don't think I would yeah, I think they're, they're I, I, dis- I dispute Mariah Carey. Well, she has that Christmas song that, you know. The one. <laughs> you know, it's just, I, I, think, I think Mariah Carey has gotten a bad rap to an extent. I just, now, now, hang on, you know, because you always hear things or you read things, and she's a bit of a diva. But if you really look at it, what is she? She's a diva, <laughs> right? And and this is just <laughs> the way that they behave. And does that excuse it? Absolutely not. No, but it's almost expected. But you know, <laughs> right. but at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and, be, and and say that I understand what that's like because even if you have just a sliver of celebrity in your life. And then you you deal with certain people in the public. You can get sick of them real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There becomes a backlash too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and and someone like her that has a ton of hit songs and gets overplayed, and people kind of get tired of it, and then that backlash starts. Mm-hmm. And it's really nothing. It's not their fault. I mean, she's just being who she is. Yeah. But and yeah. doing what she does. Yeah. She goes out there and she sings, and she performs great. Sometimes I mean, lip syncs. Really well, well. So does most. Really most. well. That's all. Yeah. Oh, those are yeah. my favorite. Uh, like when they go to the Super Bowl because they're not allowed to yeah. like lip sync anymore. You want okay? If you want a deep dive, go watch Black Eyed Peas' performance at the Super Bowl. I watched that one. Ooh, yeah. it's so yeah. bad. Is it? Yeah. It's uh, Fergie is trying to sing "Sweet Child of Mine." Yes, with Slash. They had Slash out there, yeah. As Ooh. like inter, like trying to be like Axl Rose. It didn't work too well. Mm-mm. Sometimes things just don't click, yeah. man. But I mean, that's 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 <laughs> or, live performance. And you yeah. think of her like, uh, since we're on the topic of Fergie, you think of her national anthem. Oh, yeah, that didn't My. work out well yeah. either. Did it? That was not good. That you know, was I, so bad. But the best Super Bowl performance, Prince. His, his, his halftime Always. show when it's raining, yeah, and he's out there playing. I mean, it was just a perfect. I I I really liked Cole playing Beyonce's. That was that was good that too. Was but yeah, really I think Prince good. is number one for me. I think I, for me, Prince was just on a different level, mm-hmm. man. Not oh, not totally. just music. He had it all. He had the musical so talent. Good. He had the, the the sexual appeal. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and just that that little bit of quirkiness. Yeah, yeah. he, so he just had the whole package. And see, David Bowie was so on track to be that for so long, but his last couple of albums just didn't hit it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if what it was. I mean, I'll admit I haven't listened to the latest one, but it just didn't hit like his old stuff did. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I I don't know if if David Bowie really left. 1988. Oh, no. <laughs> right. You know, if you really yeah. think about his music, so he, yeah. it, it's coming back then. 
Yeah, probably. Yeah. It, 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 yes. it, yeah, everything's cyclical. You yeah. know, I can remember in 1993, do you know how big 60s music was in 1993? Mm-hmm. We, uh, it was, and, and it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where somebody finally stood up and said, we should just redo Woodstock. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. You know, and, and we did, and it was an absolute bomb. <laughs> it was horrible. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, it yeah. was terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah, the stories that came out of Woodstock, what was it, 99? Mm-hmm. It was it, not good at all. But it, it, because Woodstock was one of those things that was magic, okay? Mm-hmm. It was it was never intended to become what it became. Right. It was just supposed to be like a music festival where other, everybody could come around, gather together, and protest the war, mm-hmm. and, and protest, you know, I mean, gosh, you had the civil rights movement going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, the iron was hot, for something culturally important to happen. And that's why we have all these musical festivals now, because everyone's trying to climb that mountain. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how many people you've got in attendance, all right? Uh, because how many music festivals are bigger than Woodstock ever was? Oh, no, so but it was grassroots. So I mean, that came up mm-hmm. from handing out some flyers and everybody went then you try and organize woodstock and it's like and it was a train wreck well like i think of uh i think this last week was coachella and it's a huge festival Mm -hmm. in california and frank ocean who was supposed to perform so when you sign their contract for coachella you have to go on a certain time and if you go over that time limit it's like thousands of dollars every minute you go off man so he (laughs) was 45 minutes late to his set sat behind a screen and performed his entire set behind a screen, canceled like all of the dancers that had prepared for months ahead of time. People were leaving the festival early because it was so bad. And like, you think about that and then you look at Woodstock, like. Yeah, yeah, you can't can't orchestrate that. Because he, he, he's a great performer and like, it was really terrible decisions on his part. But then there are people who, there's a band called Lawrence, who I love, Definitely check them out. It's a brother and sister duo. And they performed at Coachella last year, I want to say. And they had so much fun. And they skyrocketed after Coachella because people loved it. Yeah. And then you have someone who was headlining Coachella this year who was 45 minutes late and didn't even do half of his set. And fans were so mad Mm. about it. And all of these fans went to uh, smaller bands concerts during the day and said they were better than the headliner. Yeah, yeah. Wow. You know, it's, it's what would you say was the best concert you've actually been to? And I'm going to tell you something. Um, a band that was eh when I was a kid. I mean, they were huge. Okay, they were huge, but they never really hit it for me until years later. I went and saw Def Leppard. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to tell you right now, like, I didn't go to that concert to see Def Leppard. I went to that concert to see Poison. And this was 2008, 2009, sometime around there, okay? Poison was playing with Dawkins, and they were playing with with Def Leppard. And I thought, I'll go check them out. You know, Def Leppard's going to be there. Eh, All right. Man, Def Leppard was that show. Poison was fine. Dawkins was great. But Def Leppard blew my mind. Their live performances sound better than the tapes. And it's not like it's not one of those dubbing. We're going to go in and lip sync it. Right. Like you can see him singing. You can feel him singing. Mm -hmm. And 
the performance is, and I've seen them, I think, three more times since, and they just keep getting better, man. <laughs> Those guys are amazing live. Well, there's so many concerts that I've been to that the opener is better than, or, yeah, the opener is better than the headlining act. Mm -hmm. Just like, what? Because I went and saw, I my one of my favorites is Shawn Mendes. I've seen him in concert two or three times. And before Charlie Puth got, like, really famous, he was the opener for Shawn Mendes. And this was, like, right before his song, Let's Marvin Gaye and Get It On. Mm. And so, like, he performed that song for us. We're like, this is great. And then, like, the next week, it was on, like, top billboard. Yeah. And so wow. that was super cool to see, like, the progression of that. And then I saw Selena Gomez and Cake by the uh, uh, DNCE, which was one of the Jonas mm -hmm. Brothers yeah. performed. And they were great, too. Like, there are so many openers that... Openers that exceed the actual yeah. show itself. Yeah. Yeah. But my favorite concert probably was Shawn Mendes because we were in the very front and he touched my hand. That does make a difference. It was so cool. Yeah. Like, literally, I was standing here and he was there. I, was I don't like, think you've washed that hand since. <laughs> no, it's got it. Yeah. yeah. Shawn. It's got, it's got the Mendes on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what about you, Steve? I have not actually been to that many concerts, but... Um, Recently, Shine Down at the Deadwood Mountain Grand, mm. when they opened up their tour several years ago, that was a great show. They were a great band. Yeah, yeah. I think Shine Down, as far as like recent rock bands, it's probably them and Foo Fighters are probably two of the best oh, bands yeah. out there right now. I've been to more than I even know because I grew up in Minnesota, so every big name always went through Minneapolis. Oh, yeah. And yeah. we always went. And you had Prince living right up the I, street. I, I saw Prince six times, one <gasps> of which was at Paisley Park at a private party. Beautiful. Beautiful. Which was super cool. We're not worthy. Yeah. What? It was, it was, Absolutely. It yeah. was neat. But I, uh, to nail down one, it'd be really hard just because like, I had always, always, every time we actually even tried to chase him around the world, I wanted to see Elton John before yeah. he was done. Mm. Yeah. Sold out in America. I'm like, okay, well, let's check out Barcelona, Munich. What a sold out everywhere. Yep. Thankfully, the pandemic came along, if you can say <laughs> that. Um, and it, it canceled his tour. And it wasn't until a couple of years later that they actually were able to get back out on tour. And by that time, a bunch of people had let their tickets go and got yeah. refunded. Mm -hmm. So we flew down to Houston to see him. So that was an amazing concert just because I had always, always wanted mm -hmm. to see him. Oddly enough, though, like two weeks ago, um, we were down in Casper and saw Toto and Journey. Mm. Yeah. Which growing up, you know, you knew Toto. Absolutely. They cover a Weezer song. No. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was like, okay. I mean, it, to me, it was like, it's a night out. We'll right. go have some fun and whatever. Mind blowing. It's probably in the top three out of. I heard it was really I've good. To. Toto was crazy good. Yeah. Like better than they were in their heyday. And the new lead singer for Journey. He's insane. <laughs> oh not gosh. only is he insane, but <laughs> so man, I don't know if they like did a voice box implant from <laughs> Steve Perry. Steve Perry. Oh my gosh. He, I mean, he He's amazing. It. It I watched was, a documentary a on him. Great show. Yeah. Great okay. show. Now, on the opposite end of that spectrum, um, it, it doesn't matter how Bob Dylan sounds to me. Oh, it doesn't matter, okay? Uh, but I got to see Dylan, and it was after the ravages of Everything. time and everything <laughs> right. had gotten yeah. him. 
but I didn't care. You know, uh, the girl I was dating at the time, she was like, you know, really encouraging. She's like, yeah, you finally got to see Dylan. But I could tell like she was like, okay, what, uh, what is this? <laughs> mm. But I didn't care if he mumbled every single song. Yep. I was going to sit there and sing it with him because mm-hmm. this was Bob Dylan, man. Right. I mean, come on. It, like one of the American icons of music. I mean, he was the one who toppled the king. You know, right. he he helped to change music and bring about that that influence that that music could actually cause social change. Mm-hmm. It could be the the engine that drives the crew forward just piece by piece, you know, and some of his old stuff, uh, North Country Blues, uh, a fantastic just him and a guitar. You know, singing like American folk music about miners and and loggers and and the suffering that happened during the Depression throughout the Midwest. Again, mm-hmm. another Minnesota guy. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's he was kind of my top, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I got to see Ozzy as mm-hmm. well which was the top on the, you know, hey, Prince of Darkness, baby. But, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, because, but I never did get to see John. I, I tried so hard to get into that because uh, he came to Laramie, Wyoming. Yes. And he held a great concert there. And the closest I could get, man, I walked past his bus and just ran my hand down. <laughs> you know, and that's as close as we could get. But he played and I heard it was amazing. So who, okay, since we're on the topic of like, who would you want to see out of everyone that you could pick who would be your live top, or dead yeah who would be your top person okay do one live and one dead person that you would want to see in concert i would want to see alive adele yeah and then dead whitney houston okay. elvis presley and does the beatles count because that's <laughs> some of them half of them are alive yeah. so right. yeah so there we'll you go count it. We'll count like it. who would i want to see live mm-hmm. uh, you know it elvis and and the mm-hmm. beatles uh, dead. I would bring Prince back mm, for sure. Absolutely, so yeah. And live that I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. That's a tough one. I actually yeah. don't know because, like I said, I've most everybody. Or you? Like, who okay, would you see again? Who would I see live if I could take somebody? Mm-hmm. Probably Taylor Swift, just because you can't get tickets. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that's that's a whole other show. And, and I, yes. I'm not a I'm yeah. not a Swifty. But the better Aaron is, and so if I could take her, that's that would be. Her and I will just go. Right, I love Taylor Swift. (laughs) Uh, For uh, Dead, I would have to say it's kind of hard to say, but Van Halen maybe in their Mm. original lineup. Mm. I got to see him with Sammy Hagar on the old Four reunion tour, which was they were kind of having a rough time there, but I was still glad to see that show. But yeah, the original um, late eight or early eighties Van Halen probably, Mm. and then for Living Pink. Pink. Yeah, she is oh, amazing, so cool. big time performer. Not, not just in a, you know, one thing that I really do like uh, is not just that they're great performers, but that they're good people. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the people are. I'm gonna follow them on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do, and it might all just be image, but you know, it's it's pretty insightful when you follow them on Instagram and you see them doing things and being nice to people. And it's not like a performance. It's just behind stage. or And then you get testimonies where everyone's like, yeah, they're real down-to-earth, cool mm-hmm. people. Um, and, and Pink was, was, is one of those for me because she's just not only beautiful, 
but she's also so talented. Mm-hmm. And then to know that she's just a regular girl, man. Right, just, yeah. Her right. acrobat like thing oh, when yeah. she sings. Mm-hmm. Her okay, me nerding out for a second. Like <laughs> the breath support and like all the yeah. tension that your body holds when you sing, and then for her to do like an acrobat like thing yeah, while that, singing. That's, that's why there is a lot of lip syncing because those performances Ooh. are hard to do while yeah. singing. Right. Yeah. And so people I, that can do them both, that's really impressive. Yeah, I, that's one thing that irks me. People that lip sync are like <laughs> Mm, just do it. And then, like, it's usually the people that have so much success that do lip sync. They like, don't want to lose it. Yeah. yeah. Like, right. do you really, are you really just yeah. that bad? And there's a lot of pressure to put on an exciting show as well as mm-hmm. do a good job singing. Yeah. And that's, it's hard to do sometimes. You know, I saw REO Speedwagon. And <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know how many of the original band members were there, but it was, it was pretty much him, I think, and I can't remember his name. The lead Kevin singer. Kevin Cronin. He is amazing. Number one, he's great live. If you ever get a chance, go see him. And he got out there, and it was just him and a microphone and his guitar. But he was so good and such a personality that that's mm-hmm. all he really needed. Mm-hmm. Right now, you know, granted, like you said, Steve, in this day and age, is that going to keep the attention of the you know fifteen year olds? Probably not. And we're going to need to see something a little more spectacular. You know, I spent, gosh, what are tickets now? Anywhere from $160 to... Well, Taylor Swift were like two grand. For thousands the, for of dollars. Yeah. Then I'm, I better go see something that's just going to change my life if I'm paying $2,000 for yeah, it. Yeah. So I could understand that too. But yeah. sometimes just the individual and, and a microphone. I mm-hmm. saw Metallica in 1998, and after we stomped, to the point where they came out and played another, I think, hour and a half encore. Huge debacle <laughs> happened. A man started on fire. Someone broke their back. It was great. But <laughs> that's <laughs> rock and roll, baby. That's, that's rock and roll. That's metal. After everything went down and I watched it all go down. Like, this is great. Yeah, man, it's like a great big long story, but it, it was like borderline tragedy in, in Boise. It was that great. Year. And, and they came out after they shut the lights down. Uh, and everything, you know, the emergency crews got everybody out. And then finally the band came out and there was just four light bulbs above them. And they were in a small circle and James got on that mic and he said, we're going to sing one more song <laughs> and you guys are going to go home. <laughs> and they played one more and they each reached up, clicked that light out and they all left. That's it was, cool. oh, wow. but see, that was like mm-hmm. probably my favorite part of that show was just them sitting around mm-hmm. that little circle, just rocking out one last time. And then they just left those intimate, yeah. like uh, there's lots of um, like videos of in-studio recordings of just like um, there's a guy, his name is Zach Bryan, really fantastic um, country singer. And lots of it is just him playing his guitar in his living room or anything like that, that he posts. And there's some of, like, the coolest things to watch. And I'm going to go see him at Shine Frontier Days this summer. And, like, he doesn't do anything super spectacular and big. So I'm excited to see, like, something that's toned down. Because I've seen Justin Bieber, which is, like, huge performance-based and, like, dancing and fire. Big money. Shirtless Bieber, yes. And (laughs) Selena Gomez, Shawn Mendes, which is a lot of, like, pyrotechnics and everything. Um, So I'm excited to see I think my biggest pyrotechnic performance was Kiss. Oh, oh yeah. they're still on their awesome. farewell yeah. tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> oh, marketing master. As long right as there. it's not great white. Right, yeah. That would yeah, be if, if it's they great really white. On that one. Yeah, 
Yeah. What was wrong sense. with Great White? They, they, uh, they caught the foam and stuff on fire. Oh, that's right. Yeah, when that's they chained right. the doors shut. That, that, it didn't end well. That concert, seeing that stuff, actually changed the way I do things. When I go into a large venue or anything like that now, I look for where the exits are. Always. <laughs> because you had about a minute to get out of that building once that fire started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And most people went for they went the way they came in. That's the only exit they knew. But there were other exits that they could have used. Right. And a lot of people died unnecessarily because a crush formed at that entrance. That's horrible, yeah. man. That's yeah. terrible. Ugh. Well, yeah. just for Madison. Yes. Because it's not paranormal. It's not aliens. I did a little research for music in space. Okay. So, on Voyager 1 and 2, they put the golden records. And they actually had different songs on it, greetings from Earth. The thing that I'm not down with is kind of an intergalactic map of where yeah. to find yeah, us. Yeah, here's where we are. Yeah, like, hey, here's idea. your next food source. Like, <laughs> yeah. that seems yeah, like a bad... Here's how to find that sort of innocent creature. Right. Yeah, it seemed like a bad idea. Yeah. If, if somebody's advanced enough to find that, play it. They'll be yeah. like, oh, they sound tasty. <laughs> yes. um, and then also Spirit rover that they sent to mars actually played over 120 different songs on the martian surface that coordinated to different activities one of which was i touch myself by the divinals <laughs> when it was when it was actually using its robotic arm to examine itself so That's awesome. music has actually been played on in space mars. and and for the International Space Station, oh, yeah. they'll play a lot of different, There's a lot, of, music. A oh, lot yeah. of different songs to wake them up, put them to bed, whatever. Music is a, a uniquely human thing, at mm-hmm. least as far as Earth beings are concerned. There are not too many animals that do a lot, unless you count like birds singing, but that's mm-hmm. not really the same thing. I think that's communication yeah. more than Yeah, it's more else. of a language. Uh, but music is, is it's a very uniquely human thing. It, it's, it's mathematical, but it's mm-hmm. also artistic. Oh, it's, so a, it's emotional. Um, the thing it stimulates the least is your ears. Really? Yeah. Because, I mean, that, that's all physical, but then it hits your emotions, it makes mm-hmm. you think, makes you feel. Yeah, because, like, one song can make me sad, and, there's, and the same song can make Steve happy. Like, yeah. It is a beautiful expression mm-hmm. of who we are, and it will continue to be so. And, Madison, I want to thank you for throwing this in the bucket of topics. And I know we didn't go over too much history. Uh, Aaron did more than the if rest of us, which I really appreciate. <laughs> they, can learn, they can learn all about it. You can just go it. back and watch We this. have lots more episodes to come. Yeah, you can do my homework and write all about it. <laughs> and uh, so I want to appreciate, uh, well, I want to thank everybody for, for doing the work that you did. Madison, like, like you said, you've just been doing this for yeah. the past couple of years. Yeah. So, Steve, you've been living it. And Aaron, you did your homework. Plus, you've been paying out pocket to go see concerts for how long? <laughs> oh man! You know, I uh, I saw Def Leppard when I was like twelve. <laughs> see, so it was like so earlier cool. on. I yeah. think. Mm. But so, cool. so, what should we do for the next program? Mm. I like. We could do movies. <gasps> yeah. I love we movies. could do. Gamma bursts or CMEs. <laughs> we could, yeah. I mean, I like movies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, movies about CMEs and gamma. Bursts. <laughs> Let's talk gamma politics. Bursts. Yeah. Oh. All right, we'll we'll save physics uh, and astrophysics for the one after. We'll do uh, movies on the next one. I think. How about that? And then we'll and then we'll awesome. do like intergalactic. Uh, dangerous and things but it's not just dangerous i mean space is fascinating it's absolutely beautiful mm-hmm. and that is something that i actually do know a lot about so i'm 
I'll be happy on that one. All right. But all We're right. talking about Commodore 64. That's something I know a lot about. <laughs> I, I know um, HTML music. <laughs> I know music. <laughs> That's it. All right. You've been listening to the Jackalopes Explorer. We greatly appreciate you tuning in. <laughs>